It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Someone you know has probably experienced cancer, a heart attack, or stroke. The odds of experiencing one of these are high, which could result in bills for thousands of dollars in out-of-pocket expenses. How would you pay for it? With your savings? There is another option. It's called Active Care. Active Care is a supplemental health insurance policy that offers protection for covered cancer, heart attack, or stroke, and a choice of cash benefit options from ten to sixty thousand dollars. And with Active Care, the cash is yours to use as you see fit. Active Care is brought to you by Colonial Pen Life Insurance Company and is underwritten by Washington National Insurance Company. Get Active Care for cash, choice, and control. Visit colonialpen.com for more information. This is a limited benefit policy. This policy has limitations and exclusions. For costs and complete details of coverage, visit colonialpen.com. Someone you know has probably experienced cancer, a heart attack, or stroke. The odds of experiencing one of these are high, which could result in bills for thousands of dollars in out-of-pocket expenses. How would you pay for it? With your savings? There is another option. It's called Active Care. Active Care is a supplemental health insurance policy that offers protection for covered cancer, heart attack, or stroke, and a choice of cash benefit options from ten to sixty thousand dollars. And with Active Care, the cash is yours to use as you see fit. Active Care is brought to you by Colonial Pen Life Insurance Company and is underwritten by Washington National Insurance Company. Get Active Care for cash, choice, and control. Visit colonialpen.com for more information. This is a limited benefit policy. This policy has limitations and exclusions. For costs and complete details of coverage, visit colonialpen.com. Well, good morning, good morning, or good evening, or good afternoon, or good grief. Whenever you are, wherever you are, whenever it is, thank you ever so much for um, for dropping by, spending a few minutes. <clears throat> and I know that you are. Um, we've, again, we've been a little um, <clears throat> remiss in the programming due to financial constraints. And you know what? And I think from time to time, that's just going to be the deal. Uh, there, I don't think there's a whole bunch we can do about it right at this point. I have stopped and some of you who listen for a long time um i have stopped with the fundraisers i've stopped with the go i've stopped with the um the gofundmes i've stopped with all that stuff i've stopped with the subscription i've stopped with all of it um first of all it's exhausting and i felt like i was spending most of my time begging for money and either either you know what i'm at the point where if i have the money to 
be able to do this, then I'll do it. If I don't have the money and I needed to, to put it to, to something else, then I'll put it to something else. That's just how it's going to work from now on. Again, we've been doing this since March 25th, 2008. So we do what we do. And we've been able to do over 3,000 broadcasts, um, coming up on 4,000 broadcasts in that time. So it ain't like we don't talk enough. <laughs> All right. Um, this morning I want to talk. There are three things on my mind I want to talk about. I'm going to talk about first. Um, well, it's going to be in reverse order. I want to talk about uh, the USMCA, which is the new NAFTA. And will Congress, will the House representatives pass this resolution and have it go to Congress and have the president sign it? Uh, even if it makes Trump look good. And this is really what we're talking about. This is where the sort of rubber meets the road in what people are saying and what they really mean. This is going to be an interesting thing. And I want to, and I really want to desperately um, talk about that. And I want to talk a little bit about the idea that gentrification um, versus affordable housing. You know what I'm saying? I want to talk about gentrification versus uh, affordable housing. And then we'll talk about a few other things. Again, thank you again for coming to the program. Uh, do me a favor. Do me a solid. Wherever you hear the program, please, if you would be so kind to send me an email um, and just say, heard the pro and, and, and in the subject area to say, heard the program, and then in the body, tell me where you heard it. Or put it all on the subject head. Heard the program on Spotify. Heard the program on Google Podcasts. Heard the pro program on Apple Podcasts. Heard the program on Spreaker. Just that that helps me um, when I'm when I'm planning. That helps me uh, when I frankly just need some encouragement. Uh, I'd appreciate it greatly. All right, we'll be back with more of the program right after these messages. I think one of the students had asked the question and he didn't remember the answer. And I also noticed that he was letting his class out earlier than they were supposed to let out. I was really starting to worry. Levi and I talked about how it would change our lives, but he was there beside me. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash our stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. When it comes to parenting, there are no perfect answers. But that's okay, because you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on adoption, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Hey, y'all. Jeff Foxworthy here. Now, if you've ever found yourself repeating the same thing over and over for 75 years, you might be... Smokey Bear. Only you can prevent wildfires. That's why I'm filling in for Smokey to switch things up, because there's a lot more to say. And I should know, because my grandfather was a firefighter, and one of the things he taught me is that the people that love the outdoors the most are often the ones accidentally starting wildfires, which means always BYOB. <laughs> no, bring your own bucket to the campfire. And be extra careful with things like burning yard trimmings. Don't just walk away, or chances are you might be starting a wildfire. So for the love of the outdoors, go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. 
Welcome back. We appreciate you being here. Welcome back. My name is Willie Lawson. Uh, I want to tell you, I want, want to give you another um, heads up. We've started our own Fightback Media Network. What? Yes, we've started our own Fightback Media Network. And it is on 24-7, um, 365 on all the time. Now, right now, there is a limited amount of programming on on currently. Um, that program is going to increase. Um, right now, it's a lot of archive stuff uh, for myself and my friend Paul Swanson and um, actually some of my church stuff. So uh, if you are interested in getting your podcast uh, out, if you're interested in sharing it, Send me an email, WLS860 at gmail.com, WLS860 at gmail.com, and let's have a conversation about doing just that. All right, I want to talk about, um, you know, sometimes I wake up and I do the wrong thing almost immediately, or, or the wrong thing happens. For some reason, my wife got up this morning to go to work, God bless her, um, and she turned on well, it's a, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. Um, you guys didn't hear about the whole Christmas time TV saga, television saga. Uh, as it turns out, without really getting into the whole, and it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Let me tell you, it's a whole thing. Um, thing about the televisions. We have a three bedroom home, and there are three of us here: me, my son, and my wife. And uh, we have, let me count, one, two, three, four, five televisions. Three big ones. I mean, three big ones over 40 inches, okay? That's a, bit, that's a big TV for me. And right now, there is, there are three set up, there's one set up in every bedroom, and there's one big one over 50 inches in a box. <laughs> In a box. It's it's insane. It's ridiculous. Um, so, and I, for a long time, didn't want a TV in my bedroom. Because I think, like, uh, this lady told me, I was working with a, a, you know, a while ago, she said, uh, Willie, I think that you shouldn't have a TV in, in a bedroom because the bedroom should be for two things. Sleeping and reading the Bible. <laughs> Uh, I, I never laughed so hard um, <laughs> at school. That was the funniest thing that I'd, that I'd heard at school in forever, and I remember it to this day. Uh, yeah, so you should, a bedroom should be for two things, sleeping and reading the Bible. Um, so I'm really not, that was a joke, by the way, um, a big in the uh, bedroom TV guy, but my wife has, she wants to be able to watch TV and you know, while she's resting in in the morning. So she turned the TV on and she turned it on to Fox and Friends. I've never, I'm going to tell you. See, people have this, this idea about um, conservative commentary uh, and conservative commentators, especially if you're black, um, and how we live our lives and what, what information we take in and how we take it in. And most people that I talk to personally think that I'm mainlining Fox News, that I just got, I got, I got them on the app. I've got, you know what, I've got them in the veins uh, that I'm, I'm constantly watching 
Fox News and all the people on Fox News and Tucker Carlson and and all these and I'm not. I'm just not. This is the first time that I've watched five or six minutes in a row of Fox and Friends. Normally, I am skating by Fox and fans friends to get to Netflix so I can watch uh, BoJack Horseman. Uh, <laughs> sorry, BoJack Horseman is my new guilty pleasure. Um, love that show. Love that show. But anyway, um, so happened to be watching it, and, and it's a mistake. It's a mistake. Um, because they <clears throat> had a um, a very short story. I mean, super short story. The teaser for the story was longer than the actual story. Um, they had the um, the head guy from the AC, not ACLU, for the American Conser- ACU, the American Conservative Union, um, and he was talking about the the president's tweet. I mean, just for a second, talking about the president's tweet about the three people who were running against him, and of course, in true Trump fashion. Petty Trump. You remember little Marco? I mean, you remember all these other, uh, uh, you know, what other nicknames? Focahontas. Focahontas, remember? All the other nicknames. Uh, Pocahontas. <laughs> Which is sort of how the president and, his, you know, people of his age age range uh, do. So, you know, it, it, is, it isn't a big deal to me. It's, you know, people, other people think it's, it's disrespectful. Okay, me maybe. But um, he tweeted out that he is running against the three stooges. So the ACU guy comes on, not ACLU, but the American um, Conservative Union guy comes on and says this, says that uh, it's a, um, the first thing he says, it's a, um, it's disrespectful to stooges. I mean, to the three, to the three stooges. Uh, the people who are running uh, against the president, you know, why would, why would you primary this president? Do you actually think, seriously, do these people actually think that they have a realistic shot of winning the, the Republican nomination or are they in an echo chamber inside their, you know what, their friend group, their professional group that says something has to be done. It's interesting, you know, because a friend of mine, a really good friend of mine, who happens to be, I mean, this guy is a lifelong friend of mine, uh, who happens to be a, and I'm going to, I'm going to characterize him this way, a slobbering liberal, a slobbering progressive, um, who, we had a conversation and he said, well, you know, because I love how matter of fact they put this like because they're they're, of course, of the the intellectual elite. Well, you get I mean, he says to me, you got to agree. Anytime somebody says you got to agree. No, you don't. Um, that it's time to get this guy out. And I said, mm, no, I don't agree. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. Things are fine. It's good. Then I survived eight years of Barack Obama, and I thought his policies were were not in the best interest of me personally or of the country. That's kind of working out as as, as life goes on, um, but you know, survived. I didn't I didn't throw a tantrum when Mitt Romney, you know, what stuck his you know 
stuck his pangas in it and just screwed it up. Um, I didn't freak out when the, the Republican Party nominated um, Deputy Dog in 2008 and ran one of the worst campaigns in the history of man until Mitt Romney's campaign in 2012. Running against the president with the worst numbers ever. I didn't freak out. I didn't lose it. I didn't run up and down the street. I didn't go outside and just scream, uh, you know, at the top of my lungs. I didn't. The election was on Tuesday night. And Wednesday, I got my ass dressed and I took my ass to work. I didn't go to a rally. I didn't I didn't decide to go to Washington to protest or go downtown to protest. I didn't paint my face. I didn't get here on social media and cry and bitch and scream and complain. I didn't say, I, I didn't scream impeachment. I, I didn't. I just put some clothes on and went to work and went about my life. And I did that for the next four, ye- four years. From 2008 to 12 to 12 to 16. Because that's what grown-ups do. Just saying. Um, so... Why would these people think, why would these three guys think that they are going to, first of all, win the the Republican nomination? What, who are they listening to? I mean, really. Who could they be listening to? To think that they are actually going to have any shot, even in the Republican Party. Of dethroning Trump, uh, you know what? And normally, and 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 this guy from the ACU said said this, and this is true, and and I, and I find this is this is probably true. Or more true than not. Um, usually, having a um, a primary uh, opposition to a sitting president has been a problem. H. Uh, w. Bush was primaried in two thousand. You know, ah, God, I can't remember. It wasn't two thousand, but he was primaried. And in, although he won the nomination, he went on to lose the general election to Bill Clinton. But this guy, we find out that this guy, Trump, is a different dude. He's a different cat. He is at his best when he is punching. He's at his best when people are pushing against him. He's at his best. Um, although, yeah. And there's <clears throat> somehow, and and it, it seems like the, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm not getting to do this research that the quote Republican opposition to the president is northeastern Republican, and we've talked about this on this program before. We've talked about um, there are brands of Republican, right? Right, there are brands of Republican. That you are not going to be the same kind of Republican in 
Massachusetts as you are in Texas. The Texas or even Florida Republican is a much different, different beast than the New York Republican, you say. Than the Rockefeller Republican. Very much different. All right. Um, let's get to the guys. William Weld. Weld, uh, Weld announced his presidency for pre- his candidacy for presidency on April 15th, um, which is, I think, is an appropriate day. His campaign launch video uh, touts his successful his successfulness, excuse me, successes after becoming the first Republican governor of Massachusetts in nearly 20 years, um, a win that rebooted the, a conservative trend in the majority. Now, here's the deal. What did I just say? I set this up. It is my contention that Northeastern Republicans are, first of all, not conservatives. Not conservatives in the way that most country thinks of as conservatives. Because they can't be. Northeastern Republicans, more than they should be, are pro-choice. Sorry, pro-abortion. They are pro-gay. They are anti-gun. Those are three main tenets of what I believe conservatism is. So it's my contention that, again, being a Republican governor in Massachusetts does not give you the, the movement conservative seal of approval. Now, I'm going to go to my own uh, my own life, my own existence, my own thing for just a second. Um, the lady that encouraged me to do what I'm doing right this very minute, uh, this lady, her, her name is Elizabeth Blackney, and at the time she was the um, editor-in-chief of a thing called Heading Right Radio on Blog Talk Radio. That's where I started. And I learned then that Elizabeth was a Republican, George Bush Republican, um, but not a, what she called a movement conservative. She wasn't. And was very honest about, and was very honest about saying so. Now, she didn't think Barack Obama was a good idea. Or from, from from policy's sake, but she under but she understood the the historical dynamics, and the like, and would probably if had and 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 I'm and I'm being a little presumptuous here, but I'm sure um, Lizzie would agree with me that if she had a chance to go to dinner with Donald Trump, and Melania, or Barack Obama, and um, his wife, she would probably choose the Obamas over the Trumps. I think she would. And I ain't mad at her because of it, because I liked, and I still like that she is so open and transparent about it. As a matter of fact, um, she probably, and she said so, and I want to make sure I get this right. She was on team Hillary because she really, because who Donald Trump had said he was and his and his proposed policies. And what the and what the Republican Party had turned into, in her opinion, she couldn't. But she was the person who 
basically started me. She was my first teacher in all of this that I'm doing. So if you like me, you have her to thank for it. Uh, but she was a Republican in um, in Seattle for a long time. I mean, in Oregon for a long time. And then ended up originally from Atlanta and then moved to um, Bend. And then, again, a fairly liberal place. And then moved to the East Coast in a fairly liberal place. So she was always going to be that version of Republican. And there is a version of it. And, I'm, and, and, I, and, and I told you a little story because I love... Elizabeth Blackney, I thank her all the time for getting me started in this that has become my love. So, but she taught me that there was, I mean, just having the Republican stamp doesn't make you a conservative. So when William Wells says that that win rebooted a conservative trend in a majority blue state, because since he left office in 1997, only one Democrat has sat beneath Boston State House Golden Dome. As Governor Wells said, he cut taxes 21 times, balanced the state budget, and instituted a work requirement for the welfare state. Uh, while he's economically conservative, Wells supports abortion rights, same-sex marriage, and climate change action. What did I just freaking say to you? What did I just freaking say to you? Now, and I see now you're going, oh yeah, dang dude, you're smart. Yeah, I I know. Yeah, modest. I'm super modest too. On healthcare, well, opts to reform the Affordable Care Act and provide free market for, with more choices. He wants to keep Obamacare because he's from Massachusetts. And then say he's going to provide free markets, a free market with more choices. Well, you can't have both. What he wants is socialized medicine because he thinks he believes that's a good idea. That that's his that's his deal. That's his deal. and and that's fine. And he can have that. But what he's not going to do is that he is not going to appeal to the Trump wing of the Republican Party right now, which is a strong wing. Sorry, the the Bush wing, the Goldwater wing, especially the Goldwater wing, because they're all friggin' dead. The Bush wing is impotent in the Republican Party, and I know that makes a lot of progressives and Democrats sad. The Bush wing is dead. It's impotent. It may be out there but it's impotent. He all, and it says in this article in fortune magazine, he also may face criticism for lack of party loyalty while well maintains that he is, that his beliefs, um, never changed. He ran on, he ran on the 2016 libertarian ticket as Gary Johnson's vice president. See, in 2008, he endorsed Democrat candidate Barack Obama for president. What did I do? What did I just freaking tell you? This is one of the candidates. This guy has got no shot. He's a Democrat. He just is. And again, and then four later, he he reversed again to endorse Mitt Romney over Obama, right? 
now in 2008 right he was he, he he was all obama and 4 years later he was all mitt romney and is that well, why because mitt romney is a new you know what a northeastern quote republican and now i'm going to say it disrespectfully he's democrat light right And he's enjoyed the the attention of CNN because he's been a critic of Trump for uh, for a long time. Uh, during during 2016 election, he likened Trump's immigration policy to Nazi Germany. What? Keeping people out of the country who aren't here legally is akin to Nazi Germany. He also told CNN at the time that he didn't believe Trump had the temperament or the stability to be president, except he was wrong. More, more recently, he told the Rolling Stone, who's he talking to, Rolling Stone, that the president is a malignant narcissist that's kind of like that crazy clown in A Clockwork Orange. Well, what the president says is, Vitty well, Vitty well. Right? So this is, this is his... One of Trump's uh, people of opposition, and of course, of course, our friend John Kasich of Ohio is back again. Another for the very same uh, for the very same set of reasons. For the very same set of uh, of reasons. Like Weld, Kasich also has a few beliefs that lean moderate, that lean left. Um, he supports dreamers, people who are in the country illegally, uh, and issues surrounding Black uh, Black Lives Matters. He wants to protect the Second Amendment, so he says, and has an advocate for background for background checks and intention and increased intention to mental illness, which means red flag laws, which means that if somebody thinks that you're a little sideways because of what you say or what you post on social media. Um, the police can come in and seize your property without due process when you have not committed a crime. And this is something that, that I, I, I want to get in the ear of somebody I like, and I like Marco Rubio and I always, and I always have. But we are in this mode where somebody's got to do something but that something isn't taking away my constitutional rights. That's not the something that we should do. It's not the something we should do. So John Kasich is still trying to play both sides against the middle when he is quoted as saying tariffs are a bad idea. I agree. Uh, debt is a bad is a bad idea. I, I agree. There was a whole bunch of debt when when Trump got there. Family separation is a bad idea. Well, when did this happen? So is bringing families together who are illegal that a better idea? Well, that's what's happening now. Is Trump getting any credit for it? Hell no. Of course not. Demonizing immigrants is a bad idea. Breaking down our alliances is a bad idea. What alliance is he talking about? 
because he's finally um, poking China in the face saying, you know what, uh, you're just not going to take advantage of it anymore. Sorry, dude. Sorry. Anyway, uh, we got, um, let's see, what time is it? Yeah, we're we're going to take a, going to take another, a little break here, and then we're going to get back with the third the third guy in the Republican clown car, um, who just got in, and talk a little bit about him when we get back. Hang on, we're back right after these messages. When is the best time to talk to your family about staying in touch during a disaster? When floodwaters reach your door? When wildfires are engulfing the edge of your neighborhood? Or an earthquake is destroying buildings? When a tornado is tearing through town? Or a hurricane strikes? Or is the best time, perhaps, today? During a disaster, you may not be able to stay in touch with your family or friends as easily as you think. And it's not always as simple as using your cell phone. That's why now is the time to take action. Go to ready.gov slash communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. It only takes a minute to find out if you may have prediabetes. And you can do it at doihaveprediabetes.org. But you're probably not going to. Nope. I'm sure you've got a perfectly good excuse. Kids, work. (laughs) I get it. You're busy. So what better time than now? Let's begin. Raise one finger if you're a man. Ladies, none yet. Oh, count in your head if you're driving. Now, three more fingers for everyone over 60, two over 50, one over 40, One more if you're not physically active. Another finger if anyone in your family has type 2 diabetes. Another if you've got high blood pressure. If you're overweight, raise another finger. Two if you're very overweight. And three if you're really overweight. You've just taken the world's first audio prediabetes test. And if you're holding up five or more fingers, visit doihaveprediabetes.org or talk to your doctor. There's no excuse because prediabetes can be reversed. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. This is Willie Lawson for the Armed Citizens Legal Defense Network. You can have access to a growing nationwide network of attorneys and legal experts. You can get bail assistance Um, The network provides up to $25,000 to post bail on behalf of a member who has used force in self-defense. The fee deposit to your attorney immediately after a self-defense for representation during questioning and other vital defense services. You can reach us at ARM Citizens Legal Defense Network. Our number is 360-978-5200. That's 360-978-5200. Or go to www.armedcitizensnetwork.org.
Are you looking for a reliable transportation, but you don't have a bunch of money? Are you wary of used car types? And you should be. You just need a car you can afford and a dealer you can trust. Great news. Good Guy Cars is here. John Desbrow is something you don't find every day. An honest used car dealer. Good Guy Cars is at 8412 Industrial Boulevard in Tampa, Florida. The phone number is 813-999-9992. That's 813-999-9992. The web address is www.goodguycars.com. Well, thank you again. Thank you again for hanging in, hanging in, hanging in, hanging in, hanging in. All right. Um, we were talking about the challengers for, for President Trump um, in the um, in, in, in the primary, and he has three. We went over William Weld and um, John Kasich is back. Uh, sit down, John Kasich. My opinion. Um, somebody, somebody knew. Let's see here, and um, and my computer is getting a little crazy. There you go. A guy by the name of Joe Wall, Illinois Congressman, he says he'll challenge President Trump for the Republican nomination in 2020. Now, they love the media loves to do this. He was a Tea Party favorite that argues Trump is unfit for the White House. Walsh announced his candidacy during the interview on ABC's This Week. Um, he is also in the race, Bill Weld. Also in the race is a dude named Bill Weld. We talk about this again, but we're talking about Joe Walsh, Illinois congressman. Why? Why is he a, a why was he a Tea Party favorite? Because he spoke out against um, the Chicago's crime syndicate of Barack Obama. So, anybody who spoke out against Obama was was immediately dubbed with the label of Tea Partier, right? Because Marco Rubio was was put, you know, had that very same mark on him. And unfortunately, people believe you. Again, I like Marco, but Marco wasn't a Tea Partier. He, he never was. Mark, Marco, before the Bush family came in and funded his campaign, just was, it, it got, when he got invited to go talk to somebody and there was going to be a group of people of more than six, he agreed. Marco and I spoke at the same Plant City, Florida Tea Party gathering. In the in a cold rain, there there, there might have been a hundred people there. Maybe um, there might have been more that, and there might have been more people there to hear me. This is how this is how bad it was for Marco at the time than to hear Marco. But I met. That's where I met him, and he and he seemed and he seemed lovely. He seemed like a very nice person, um, and I still think he is. My son's met him since then in his travels, doing photography. And Marco was the same as same uh, to my son, who he doesn't he doesn't know it. He didn't know it was my kid, um, as he was when I met him, and to, and when I met him sub, you know, subsequently, exactly the same. Um, so there you go. Walsh won a house seat from suburban Chicago, 
in 2000 in the 2010 in the 2010 Tea Party wave. You see what I'm saying? So he was dubbed a Tea Partier, really wasn't, but the Tea Party was ascended at the time. But he lost seat in 2012 and decided to become a a a radio talk show personality. And has basically made a living on inflammatory statements regarding Muslims. You know, he said before the 2016 election that if Trump lost, I'm grabbing my musket, right? So for some reason, he has since soured on Trump. Uh, My thought is this. My thought is that He's somebody who thinks that he can get some mileage for his career by doing this. That's just my thoughts. That's it. And he is in Chicago. Some somehow he is buying the whole thing that um, the Democrats, the Social Democrats, the Socialist Democrats are ascendant at this point. And are rolling, which they're not really. I don't think they are really. But but he told that to CNN. Why? Because CNN wants to listen to anybody who's anti-Trump. Or who proposes to be anti-Trump. Correct? So there you go. Um, this is what we're dealing with. All those folks are what? All the three people I mentioned. Northern Democrats. Mostly Northeastern Democrats. I mean, Northeastern Republicans. Same thing, really. But you can't be the same kind of Republican in, in, in Illinois that you can be in Texas or you can be in Florida or you can be in Alabama or Mississippi. As a matter of fact, Alabama, is, the Republican Party is drafting a resolution to force the, um, the Alabama delegation in Congress to expel Elan, Elon Omar. Pfft, that's, some, that's some stuff there, ain't it? But anyway... So that's what we're talking about there. And these folks, my opinion, because all this is my opinion, isn't it? Don't have a shot. Thanks, man. Um, Don't have a shot. It is the most ridiculous, especially for for Walsh. It is the most ridiculous, self-serving thing that I have heard in a long time. Now, I don't think that it's going to cost Trump or the Trump campaign a nickel. A nickel in fighting off um, this supposed opposition. What I'm wondering is how are these three campaigns, John Kasich, uh, William Weld, and Joe Walsh? Do you know how difficult it was to remember all three of their names right then? <laughs> and I didn't write them down. Wow. I must be getting good at this. How difficult it's going to be for them to fund their campaigns and if they do fund them until the you they get to the convention I want to see who's funding them is that something that I should want to see who's funding these campaigns because right now like I said before the Trump wing of the Republican Party is ascendant it just is the Goldwater wing is dead because all the Goldwater supporters are dead, 
the Bush wing of the Republican Party is impotent. The Romney portion of the Republican Party may just be these three guys. <laughs> so it's impotent. Right now, the part of the, I mean, the Republican Party, right now, right now, the ascendant part of the Republican Party is the Trump wing of the party. Well, you, whether you like that or not, whether, I mean, whether that makes you feel good or not, my opinion, this is what we're dealing with. This is exactly what we're dealing with. I'm sorry. Sorry if I made you angry. Sorry if you disagree. Sorry if you just want to go out and primal scream in your front yard. Um, go right ahead. If you want to put on a um, a vagina costume and walk up and down the streets of Washington with your children, I can't stop you. I wish you wouldn't, but I really can't stop you. Go go on. If that If you think that makes you feel better. I told you what I did after Barack Obama got elected, right? That Wednesday, I got up that morning, I opened my closet, I put on my big boy pants and a shirt because nobody wants to see that shit, right? Uh, and I went to work. And I went to work. And I lived through eight years. Well, 2014 was, was touch and go. But I lived through eight years. And it's 2019 and I'm still here. I, I We're paying on the same home we were paying on before. We've got three different cars since then. My son has graduated from high school. It's been okay. There are some things I wish were better and different and that in our health care that we are still suffering from um, because of policies from the Obama, Obama administration, but we're working through them. We're okay. So after you've gone out into the street with, with your vagina costume on and primal screamed, when you come home, I'm going to tell you, you're going to be okay. President Trump being your president is not a trigger. It's okay. Calm the hell down. President Trump being the president in 2020 is not a trigger. You're fine. You're going to be okay. You're going to survive it. If the president is able to build a 75-foot wall for 2,000 miles on our southern border, which is not going to happen, even if it were to happen, you'd be okay. Promise. So just chill the hell out. Just chill the hell out. All right, that's the my commentary on the three guys who are running against the president as Republicans. Just stupid and ridiculous and a big fat waste of everybody's time and effort. All right, now I want to talk about something that I think is something that is really something that has really irked me, pissed me off, made me angry, made me frustrated, made me active, and actually um, made me want to work with a lot of activists in our community that maybe on this subject we agree on, but on most others we don't.
is gentrification. Now, the New York Times writes uh, up a, an article touting a, I think it was last year, year before, touting a study that says gentrification is, isn't really a thing. That urban neighborhoods change all the time. And um, people are people move in and out of those out, out of urban neighborhoods all the time, and this is just a continuation of that. Well, that's great that the New York Times could pub, could uh, publish the results of this study, except that this is not what's happening at all. Except, well, truth. It, it's just a it's just a bummer when truth comes face to face and crushes the narrative. You know, when truth crushes the narrative, um, this is something that they hate. This is something that that they will continue to fight back against. And and when we're talking about this gentrification issue, especially in the urban community, truth crushes the narrative. Here's what's happening, especially what's happening where I live. Um, in the Tampa, if you if, if you if you're listening or um, if you're in Tampa, you understand that Tampa is basically divided into quadrants, sort of. Uh, the main two quadrants are along the Hillsborough River, east and west. Um, as you can imagine, like most cities in America. The more urban areas are in and around the downtown area. And as you can imagine, the downtown area is in and around the river. Right? Waterfront property is always desirable. It's part it, it, it's one of our biggest failures as industrialized man, my opinion is that our need, our want, our desire to live in and around water. Don't under I I get it when you needed it for transportation. Some areas need it for to have drinking water or water for irrigation or I understand. But the problem is that those waterways change. They flood, they dry out. And this is why they're blaming climate change on this stuff is just the planet say this with me it's not climate change say it's nature say it again nature good all right um any case so we've got this this dynamic where developers see the benefit of waterfront property in and around downtown because that's the biggest push for successful millennials. They want to live downtown, right now anyway, where all the action is happening, right? Where they can walk everywhere because walkability, like gentrification isn't a word, but walkability is, walkability is, is important. They want to be able to walk to restaurants and walk to bars and and not have to drive their cars because this is a generation who's really not that interested in driving. We, I mean, just just they just weren't. 
you know, I teach saxophone, flute, and clarinet. I'm going off on a tangent, but you've you listened to me before. You, you're good with tangents. Um, I teach saxophone, flute, and clarinet, and I've been doing it for 34 years. And it's interesting, uh, when I started, how many kids would come in and tell me how excited they were about taking their driving test to get their permit. And now I have 16, 17 and a half year olds who don't have their driving permit and aren't, and their parents tell me kids aren't really, that they're not interested. And parents are, are okay with it because they know that their kids aren't, aren't out there driving, which is dangerous. And they, and their insurance costs are, are you know what, haven't gone through the roof because in, car insurance in Florida is the biggest damn racket uh, right under road construction. It's, it's ridiculous. So walkability is really important to the millennial generation. Public transportation, somebody else driving you around like your mom and dad did, being able to hop on a train, be able to hop on a bus, being able to hop on one of these damn electric scooters and zip around adults, crash into them. We have them too. Do you have them where you live? You have those damn electric scooters where you swipe your credit card and you drive the scooter, the electric scooter around. Y- y'all have that where you live? We have it here. It's a cluster. Anyway, <laughs> it makes me want to swear every time I see somebody on one, but I don't. But it makes me want to swear. <laughs> In any case, um, that's what they want, and and because of the flight to suburbia. A generation ago, a lot of downtown property has fallen in to disrepair. And that's where the least expensive property was. A generation and two generations ago now. So there's been a lot of poor people living in the inner city. And here especially. In and along, strangely enough, in, in and along the river. In the most eastern part of East Tampa and the most eastern part of what we're going to call West Tampa for discussion's sake, so you can see it in your mind's eye. Well, during right before the housing crash in 2008, where prices were super ridiculously inflated on, on real estate and housing, where people were flipping houses um, and people were buying, you know, way property that was way overvalued we we're just waiting for that crap to end right and it did it was going to the scary part is that we're seeing the very same thing again the obama administration blamed unscrupulous mortgage people not just the greed of humans and the stupidity of humans uh, we're seeing the very same thing again which is kind of frightening but in any case um so the developers saw that there was a need for, as they put it, more inventory. And that these inner city um, tracts of lands needed to be rede- redeveloped. That's a, new, that's a new phrase, redeveloped. So what they are doing, and they're doing this all over the country, they're doing this here. They're, they're trying to buy up plots of land, tracts of land, whole tracts, whole neighborhoods. Um, and targeting them for redevelopment. Frankly, if these tracts of lands were vacant and no one was living in them, that would be one thing. 
But the fact of the matter is, well, you know what, like all those houses in Baltimore that you have blocks after block of, of, of vacant property, that will be one thing. But what's happening here is that there are tracts of land that are right now not that expensive, not valued that highly, that the developers have targeted. And those are the those are the places that are targeted for redevelopment. Right? You got it? You got it? Okay. So in that targeting, they go in and they do this. They say they knock on people's doors, they send them letters, and then they knock on people's doors and saying, Hi, we're from um the ABC Development Corporation and we want to make you an offer on your home. We see that you've owned your home for thirty years. And what we want to do is we want to make you an offer on your home because we want to come in and we want to want to revitalize this area, this great neighborhood. We want to revitalize it and make it vibrant again. So we're going to make you an offer on your home. So we're talking to families that have, where I live, that some of them are living in a home that was passed down to them by the previous generations or two generations ago that they've never paid a mortgage on. The only thing they've had to pay was for the property taxes and the utilities and whatever whatever upkeep. That's all they've had to pay. There were single-family dwellings. I'm not yet talking about, and I will hear after, you know, I will hear um, in a little bit after the bottom of the hour, probably I will talk about a little bit about um people living in public housing. That's that's a whole different story. But um we're talking about people who are who were basically owners of single family dwellings that were willed down to them, passed down to them. They didn't have a mortgage on them. Just the taxes, utilities, and upkeep. Generations have been raised in, in, in those homes. And they were given offers that were usually below market value because the idea is that the developers don't want to go in and play top dollar for this land. They want to pay bottom dollar for this land. They want to take a, take advantage of people who unfortunately should have known better but did not. And what And the money that they get is not enough money to buy a unit or buy land or buy off into the development, the housing development that's being built. So they have to find other places to live. And and what's normally happened is that they've ended up somewhere in, in an apartment. Not in an apartment like the nice apartments that are being built where they used to live relatively cheaply. No. But some apartment somewhere in an area that was that's worse off than where they were before. When they had an asset, a single family home, and now they don't have that asset anymore. They had land to pass down. They had land to borrow against. They had land to do things with, and now they don't have that. This study in the New York that was published in the New York Times one is one of his conclusions are that people who do get displaced uh, more than often are better off 
than where they were. I don't know how that's possible that you become a renter or you become a person who has a mortgage um, when you are a person who didn't have a mortgage and you are a homeowner. I don't understand how you could possibly be better off. Somebody who had an asset and now you don't. And what you don't have is equity in the project because no one's ever thought to ask. And I think this is going to be my approach moving forward when addressing these issues, especially locally, um, when I'm talking to homeowners who are, are, are areas that are that are basically being targeted, be targeted. If you're going to be targeted, that's that's going to be what we're going to do. What we're going to have to start doing is something else. We're going to have to start um, when they knock on your door, say, yeah, I'll sell you my house for um, 30% under market value. But the only that I'll do that is that I want in on the project. I want a percent. I want 2%. I want 0.7% of what you make on this project. I want to be an owner. I want to have an equity stake in this project. And if you're not willing to do that, then we're not moving. Now, what you have to look forward to then is something I want to tell you about when we get back. Because this is where government, local government, colludes with developers to steal people's property and there isn't any way else to put it. There's nowhere, there's no way else to put it that the local governments are colluding with the developers to steal property away from lower and middle class families in the inner city. That's what the real, that's what real gentrification is. And there's where the housing, the affordable housing crisis starts. All right, we'll be back. Uh, with more of the program right after these messages. Thank you ever so much for spending some time with us. Again, remember the fi- the Fight Back Media Group uh, Network. We are up and rolling 24-7. Check us out. Uh, all you have to do is Google it or go to my Facebook page. It's going to be there. Uh, check us out. And if you want to be a part of it, just send me an email at wls860 at gmail.com. We'll be right back. tired of the cold? You're tired of the taxes? It's time to move to Florida. And our friend, Gary Knight at New Homes of Tampa Bay is the perfect person to help you. You can just give Gary a call at 813-770-9452 or you can go to the website to look for your brand new home at www.newhomestpa.com. Move to Florida. It's about time. Hi, this is Willie Lawson. Are you someone who wants to give more? Are you someone who wants to donate more to your favorite charity or even your favorite podcast and you just don't have the money because you got too much credit card debt already? Well, I've got something for both of us. Debt.com. Debt.com is ready to put you into a debt consolidation program that will save you money save your credit rating, and allow you to live your dreams in the way that you would like to live them. That's Debt.com. 
give them a call at 877-764-2393. That's 877-764-2393. Get out of debt today. When it comes to parenting, there are no perfect answers. But that's okay, because you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on adoption, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Okay, welcome back. Welcome back to the program. We appreciate it. My name is... Okay, well, again, thanks for um, com coming to the program. We appreciate you being here. Um, it's a beautiful, sunshiny day out there. It's gorgeous. I'm looking to, to go out there and be in it a little bit today before work. And I've got some video to shoot. Yeah, got to bother some more city council people today. Mm, yeah, you know what? I, I warned my city council guy that he's my guy, and um, we are not of the same political party. Uh, but uh, he he wanted the job, and it was a nonpartisan race. Although pff, that's a big joke, I'm going to talk about that too here at some point. But I voted for him because I thought of the two people that were running, both were Democrats, uh, of course. But you can vote for them obviously in a nonpartisan race, right? Because it's really nonpartisan. Uh, except all the Democrats uh, from the city council were at this meeting on Saturday. Well, that was led that the key, the, the keynote speaker was Andrew Gillum, and they were all progressive organizations that were organizing against Trump. Uh, so I don't know how somebody who says they're nonpartisan um, can think that this is the place they ought to be in their nonpartisanshipness. In any case, uh, we're talking about. I, want, I was going to tell you what happens when homeowners stand up against the, the developers and say. We're not selling. The city or the municipality has the ability by law to deem a certain tract of land, any tract of land, regardless if it's owned or not, as undesirable and they can blight it. B-L-I-G-T, blight it. Deemed it blighted. 
which means that when you blight a tract of land, it basically has zero value. Zero value. It's blighted. It's blighted in the way that that Chernobyl, the area around Chernobyl is blighted, has no value. Your municipality can do that, and that's what happened in this area, to any tract of land that they choose. That they choose. So they simply blight the area. And like I, like I keep saying to you, one of the greatest things about being a little older is that you have stories that you lived through some stuff and you've seen some things. Um, there is a, and I told this story yesterday on Facebook, and I'll tell it again real quick. Um, there's a lady... Uh, her name is Julia Jackson. Julia Jackson was an art teacher at Brandon, and I know this is—I know this is a tangent. Just hang on. It—it's if I don't tell you the whole story, then it won't have the same same impact. So just just deal for a second. Um, Julia Jackson was an art teacher at Brandon. Uh, I did not take art, but I was in band at Brandon High School in the seventies. Her son, Gene, was in band and orchestra. Um, played viola. It was kind of cool and trumpet. But in any case, um, they lived in Tampa Heights. And the children got special permission. Her, her children got special permission to go to Brandon. Why? Because she taught there. And which was in the suburbs. I was bused to Brandon. I also, I didn't live in Tampa Heights, but I lived in Jackson Heights, uh, which was also in the city of Tampa. So we were bused to a suburban school in the county. So participating in events and participating in clubs and participating in, in groups and athletics and bands was super tough because a lot of our parents just didn't have the transportation to get us to and from where we needed to get. And this is the part of the problem that was left out of that, that whole um, our kids are doing better because they're sitting next to a white kid in, in a suburban school than down the street sitting next to a black kid. This is why there's a, that was a failure. One of the things that, w- that was a failure about the the push to integrate schools in the 60s. One of the things they, that nobody ever really thought about, apparently. But in any case, that's, that, that's a tangent on a tangent. So in any case, Mrs. Jackson took it upon herself to make sure, because I was basically on the way home for them when she had to come pick up her son from Monday night band practice. And we had Monday night band practice all year long um, through marching band season, through concert season. Uh, it was Monday night at 7 o'clock was band rehearsal. We, we rehearsed from 7 to 9 for two hours on Monday night all the time, whether we were rehearsing indoors for concert band or symphonic band or we were rehearsing on the marching field. That's how, that's how we lived. That's how we. That's how I lived for for, for, for at least two years in, through high school. And Mrs. Jackson made sure that I got home. Now, some some nights, my band director took me home. You wouldn't do that now. You wouldn't be in a car by yourself with a kid. You just wouldn't. It would just be stupid. Nobody would. Nobody would say that's a good idea. But leaving me there in Brandon to walk home the 30 miles but wasn't it's not 30 miles it's more like 15 miles that wasn't something that could happen either 
especially in, you know, in the late 70s. So in any case, uh, Mrs. Jackson took it upon herself to load up her car, and she had a white Pontiac Grand Prix. So there would sometime, a car that's really built for five people, sometimes there'd be seven of us in there. There'd be uh, Mrs. Jackson in, in the front seat, and then Jean, her son, would be in, in, in the other seat, and there'd be like sometimes four of us or maybe even five of us stuffed in that back seat. <laughs> I was much thinner then. <laughs> it wouldn't have worked as much as well now, but I was much thinner then. And she, every Monday night, when she came to get her son, she came and got the rest of us. And there were a few of us. And made sure we got home. And that was cool, because it was convenient then. But this is where the story takes a turn that always makes me cry. Her son graduated a year before I did. And the year before a couple of us did. It would have made sense for us to, to plan because we knew that was, we knew it was happening, right? But we were kids. And um, Mrs. Jackson, on her own, decided that she would take us home and she would go home. She would go home after work, prepare dinner for her family, and then come back and get us and take us home. Sometimes, because Gene had, Gene had graduated, sometimes Gene, because he was still living at home at the time, um, just a year after high school, would sometimes come and get and get us too and take us home. But most times it was his mom who would go home and cook dinner for her family, her, the kids, Gene who was still at home, his brother and sister who were in middle school at the time or junior high school at the time, and her, and her mother and herself, after working all day, would get back in her car and drive all the way back to Brandon High School at 9 o'clock at night and come back and get us. Make sure we got home. Mrs. Jackson decided that she was not going to sell her house to the developers. She was, after she retired, she was living on her, on her, on her pension from teaching. She didn't have any other income. Then social, then social security kicked in, I guess. But she wasn't going to sell her home. This is where she lived. She didn't want to live in an apartment. Somewhere where she wasn't used to. She didn't want to, uh, she wasn't going to get a mortgage. She wasn't going to live in public housing or subsidized housing. And the reason was she already had a home. It had been her home where she had raised her children. Although the neighborhood was torn down, there wasn't anything. The houses had been raised and the land was barren. She was not going to move. So for years, there were two little ramshackle houses, one painted white with red trim and the yellow one next to it, which I think they also own that property that were sort of leaning against one another in defiance of everything. And then frankly, for them, something wonderful happened. After um, the area was blighted, 
by the city of Tampa, something wonderful happened. The housing crisis of 2008 that stopped development. Devel the developers stopped calling. They stopped knocking on the door. They stopped sending letters. And everything around there stopped. There was no armature works. There was no further demolition of homes. Everything stopped. And it stopped long enough for Mrs. Jackson to go home, go home to be with the Lord before it really cranked up again. She passed away before it really cranked up again. Those homes are oh, those homes are gone now, and, it's, and 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 that block is part of a parking lot now. Part of the parking lot for for Armature Works, and what's going to be part of the parking lot for the new apartment complex that's going to be on the corner, uh, just down just down the street from where they lived. This is what gentrification is. Gentrification is not someone coming in and sprucing up a neighborhood. It is the collusion and forceful removal of people from their homes. That's what gentrification is. And on top of that, it is going to change the voting demographic in those areas. I'll just be plain with you. The area I'm talking about before was predominantly black. Were there white people there? Yes. Why, they, why were they there? For the very same reasons that the poor blacks were there. It was where they could afford to live. They had lived in those family homes for years. The story, the stories are the, the same. There just happened to be more black folks living there than white folks. Right, but it's going to change the the demographic, the voting demographic in those areas. That's this is why I wanted to make the transition to public housing. In an area not far from the area that I'm talking about now was a um, a housing development called uh, North Boulevard Homes. North Boulevard Homes was the project. You know what I'm saying? When I said projects, you live in the projects, housing project, federally federal housing, remember? That's what that was. About five thousand units, five thousand families or so lived, I don't believe, in that it was it was it was monstrous. It was huge. Um in North Boulevard homes. Developers, because North Boulevard Homes is not far from the river. As a matter of fact, it was kind of on the river. Remember I said that, that developers want waterfront property? Huh, interesting. The Tampa Housing Authority, in cahoots with the developers, in collusion with the city government, decided that they were going to level North Boulevard homes 
sell the property to the developers. So when I say that it's going to change the voting demographics in that area, um, I don't I don't have to be um, race baiting to tell you that most of the people, not all, but most of the people who lived in North Lavar Homes were black. And that is District 5, it was District 5 City Council. Which is, a, which is a set aside. Which is part of a pre-clearance district for County Commission District 3. Right, y'all? You locals know I'm right, right? Hmm. That was mostly black. And so whenever you're going to change that, that, that tells you whenever they're ever going to change the voting lines, they've got to go to the Department of Justice and get approval before they change the voting lines in and around where District 3 is now. But there isn't anything that says you can't change the demographics of the people who live there. The lines have to stay the, stay, stay the same. So what they're doing now is changing the people who live there. So when North Boulevard Homes, which was a project, it was not the most beautiful place in the world by any stretch of the imagination, is going to be replaced with nice, shiny, high-rise apartments basically set up for people who are going to the the USF Medical School, which is also downtown. Along the, you, you know what, downtown. In the downtown area, not far from the river, because we love to live by the water, right? That housing is set up for the students who are attending the medical school. It's going to change. It changed. It changed the entire nature of the neighborhood. It's on the west side, the most eastern west side of the river. If if you remember where I, I was giving you some reference points earlier. So it's changing the demographics, the voting demographics, and it's changing the economic structure. And you, and you may ask, what happened to all the people living in the projects? Well, they were all moved out, obviously. Well, where are they now? Well, they have been dispersed to South County out of the downtown area. They have been dispersed. They have taken their, they've been, they've been given a section eight and sent on their way. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about the same section eight that Corporal Klinger was trying to get in the, in in the, um, in the serious mash. Section eight is a um, voucher basically for, for rent. And they were sent on their way. As a matter of fact, the, Section 8 was uh, was a thing and it's not even being accepted in the city of Tampa because what they didn't want was a lot of people with Section 8s congregating to the same area. So they sent them out of the city limits into the into the greater county area. South County in particular. Interesting. It's the same it's the same program they do when Tampa or any city has a um a major event, a Super Bowl, a um, 
a, a political convention, something that the whole country or even the whole world is going to be peeking in on. They want to make sure that there are no homeless people just laying in the park, right? So the news media sees or the attendees see. No, so here's what they did when we had our last Super Bowl and we had our and the Republican National Convention. They took all the benches out of the, out of, out of the city parks. They took the benches out. So homeless people would have no place to sleep, you see, in the middle of the day, like they like they are now. It isn't like the homeless problem went away, but they weren't laying around on the benches or weren't sitting on the benches in the, in, in the middle of the day with all their stuff. So people couldn't see it. It wasn't like they gave a damn about the homeless people. They just didn't want anybody to see it. It isn't like they gave a damn about the poor people and the working poor people who, who's, who used to live in those homes. Those homes that were single family dwellings as well as those that were subsidized housing. They didn't care about, it's not that they care about those people. They just want, they don't want anybody to see them. So they dispersed them and made room for people who are more acceptable. And then they tell us that that there isn't an affordable housing crisis in our area. So when we're talking about subsidized housing, right? We're talking about somebody who may pay a hundred bucks a month, maybe, but nobody's actually paying that. It's usually a lot less for subsidized housing for a two bedroom uh, apartment in a place like North Wilford Homes. Or in a place like the Pearl, which is built down the street from there, literally down uh, uh, across the river, you can see it um, from where I'm talking about. We're, we're talking about a one be- one bedroom, one bath apartment goes for fifteen hundred forty five a month, seven hundred and forty three square feet. Two bedroom, two bath goes goes for. $2,185 and a three bedroom, two and a half bath goes for $3,085 a month. $3,000 a month. Three times what my mortgage payment is. Three times what my mortgage payment is. And I have a ridiculously high because of also the situation, I have a ridiculously high interest rate, but it's three times what my mortgage rate is, what my mortgage is. It's incredible. It's absolutely mind-boggling. Absolutely mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. And people in the city, people of the, the, the government in the city is acting like there's nothing going on. And the this report uh, of, of the study of the New York Times is like, no, 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 everything's fine. Nothing to see here. Except there is. Except there is. It's incredible what's going on. It is sad. It is frustrating. And I was talking to one of the activists last night. We just happened to have this chance to meet up at the at, at a gas station, 
And my thought is that, you know, well, this is going to keep up and some crap's going to pop off one summer in the hood or across the county. And everyone's going to look at, be looking at each other. What happened? Because eventually after these policies continue and they continue to force people into areas that they don't want to be in and they want to and, and make it difficult for them economically, crap will pop off. It always does. It always has. And it will continue to. No matter how much you tell how much you t- you tell people they're better off. They know people know if they're better off or not. And I'm going to tell you, this ain't got nothing to do with with Donald Trump. This ain't got nothing to do with Barack Obama. This ain't nothing to do with Ron DeSantis or or Charlie Crist. It has nothing to do with any of this. This is this is all local people. These are local developers, right? This is uh, these are local politicians both on the city council and the county commission. This is the, this, this falls on the mayor's office. This falls on, 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 on people who are supposed to be looking out for poor and middle income, you know what, middle income people, the working poor and the working middle class economically. Right? This falls on their failure. I mean, there and there's no and there is no other way to put it. I'm just going to be blunt. There's no other way to put it. That's who this all falls on. And if some crap pops off next summer or the summer afterwards, as these these policies and these plans continue to displace people from their homes, we have no we have we have to look no farther than city hall. And county center. Now they'll deflect. They'll deflect like hell. They'll deflect to we didn't get money from the state, and the state didn't get funded from the federal government. This is Trump's fault. Blah blah blah. They'll deflect like they'll deflect like mirrors. But we have no we have we have no further to look than the mayor's office, especially under Bob Buckhorn. And now under Jane Castor. And and the city council. And the city council um, that was responsible for the areas I'm talking about. I'm talking about Frank Reddick. And I'm always respectful to Mr. Reddick. And by the way, his health is fine. He had a little health scare. He's doing much better. He was, he, he didn't look much as much like a bobblehead as he used to. <laughs> and that's strictly for local folks. Um, and now Orlando Goods. And those who are citywide, this has to do with Les Miller, County Commission Les Miller of District Three, because it's the same area that I'm talking about, and all and all of those on County Commission who are countywide, who are also responsible for for District Three, and all the other districts in the county. This is this is where this falls on the feet of. This is where it it lands. It lands on them. All right, we're going to take a little break. We'll be back. Finish this up right after these messages. Thank you again. Uh, please send me an email. Let me know where you heard the program. Whether you heard the program because you saw it on Twitter or you saw it on Facebook or you, you were on Spreaker at the time or you were on Google Podcast or 
Spotify, wherever you just send me an email at WLS860 at gmail.com and say, I heard the show. It sucked. You're terrible. Quit. Or whatever. Or you're great and you're wonderful and you ought to be and you ought to be on TV. You ought to be on national radio, whatever it is. Or you're saying, yeah, you are all right. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I just need to know where you heard the program. All right, we're going to take a little break. We'll be back right after these messages. feels different it could be alzheimer's now is the time to talk visit alz.org slash our stories to learn more a message from the alzheimer's association and the ad council hey y'all jeff foxworthy here now if you've ever found yourself repeating the same thing over and over for 75 years you might be smoky bear only you can prevent wildfires that's why i'm filling in for smoky to switch things up because there's a lot more to say and i should know because my grandfather was a firefighter and one of the things he taught me is that the people that love the outdoors the most are often the ones accidentally starting wildfires which means always byob <laughs> no bring your own bucket to the campfire and be extra careful with things like burning yard trimmings. Don't just walk away, or chances are you might be starting a wildfire. So for the love of the outdoors, go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. When is the best time to talk to your family about staying in touch during a disaster? When floodwaters reach your door? When wildfires are engulfing the edge of your neighborhood? Or an earthquake is destroying buildings? When a tornado is tearing through town? Or a hurricane strikes? Or is the best time, perhaps, today? During a disaster, you may not be able to stay in touch with your family or friends as easily as you think. And it's not always as simple as using your cell phone. That's why now is the time to take action. Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Hi, this is Willie Lawson. Are you someone... Who wants to give more? Are you someone who wants to donate more to your favorite charity or even your favorite podcast and you just don't have the money because you got too much credit card debt already? Well, I've got something for both of us. Debt.com. Debt.com is ready to put you into a debt consolidation program that will save you money, save your credit rating, and allow you to live your dreams in the way that you would like to live them. That's debt.com. 
Give them a call at 877-764-2393. That's 877-764-2393. Get out of debt today. Thank you ever so much for hanging with me. You know what? I haven't, I haven't done a two-hour show in forever. Uh, but, you know, I'm super passionate about gentrification and the theft of generational wealth in our community because this is what happens. When you take people's land away from them, you take away their generational wealth. It's not about painting some buildings and, and, and making the place more pretty. It's the theft of generational wealth. It makes our community have to start over every generation. Every generation. Does some responsibility of, of, of putting our areas in, in, in a better light. Does that fall on the people who live there? Most definitely. I'm not taking that light or that responsibility away. But when there are huge factors that play in that basically control how people live and where people live, that is undeniable. It's undeniable. And it figures in and we have to address it. All right. I want to finish this up. The president um, was elected because uh, partially on on his his stance on trade deals and treaties or agreements that the United States had made over the past 30 years. And one of the ones that he was targeting was a North uh, American um, free trade agreement, NAFTA. And and, And he said that after looking at NAFTA, he believed that NAFTA was good for Mexico and good for Canada, but it was bad for the United States. It was bad for for the United States, and he wanted to to renegotiate NAFTA. Now, I think that that's something. I think that concept is different for a lot of people because there a lot of people are under the impression once these things get done, then they are done, right? In the very same way, people think that once an athlete has signed a contract to play for a certain amount of money over a certain amount of years that when the athlete goes back to the owners to quote, renegotiate the contract, uh, there are a number of people who think that that's inappropriate. You sign the contract, you have to live up to the terms. And I understand, you know, and, and I understand that to a degree, but when conditions change, it may be it may behoove the player to go back to the owner and say, "I know that we signed a deal, and I still want to play, but conditions have changed. Can you make it better for me?" 
I can because players go also go back after signing a contract and get asked by ownership to take less money so they can build the organization. A lot of top players do just like that. Tom Brady Tom, Tom Brady has done that probably half his career in New England. Here, Derek Brooks routinely took less money than he signed for in order for Tampa Bay to build that defense that won the Super Bowl. Routinely. So it so it does, although we don't hear about that, it does happen both ways. So but I think our mentality is that once you sign a contract, once you get to an agreement, you sit you stay in that agreement. Well Trump having some experience in, in, in business and even in af you know what in professional athletics knows that this doesn't always have to be true. That when conditions change, deals change all the time. So he he was elected on the idea of some of these trade agreements, especially NAFTA, had to be renegotiated because it just wasn't good for the United States. So what he has done is that he crafted, and, and, and of course there was super, you know, there were a number of detractors that said that this was beginning a trade war with Mexico or one of, and Canada, you know, was one of our biggest um, trading partners. But what he knew was that both Mexico especially Mexico knows and they need desperately a vibrant United States economy in order for their economy, whatever, for whatever it is to have any shot. They need us to have a vibrant economy. And it's amazing how there are so many of the commentators and and news people who won't, who just won't say that because that would explain a, an, a tremendous amount about how the dynamics of how these, th- this, this, this continental intercontinental economy works. Both Canada and Mexico need a strong and vibrant growing American economy because if our economy isn't growing, theirs isn't growing either. Have you noticed that when there was depression here, there was also depression in Mexico and Canada. Neither one of those those economies were booming during the American Depression. That during the recent um, recession, the big recession um, of 2008, 9, 10, that it wasn't the Mexico government, that I mean Mexican economy, that was booming and cranking, and then we could send dollars there and build, and build our economy on. No, it wasn't happening in Canada either. Both Canada and Mexico, and frankly, most places around the world, need to have a vibrant, growing economy in the United States. Even China. So the president went back to the went back to the bargaining table like he said he would and out of that with Mexico has come the US I wrote it down wrong US MCA it was an agreement first that he negotiated with, with Mexico and then when um, the Mexico when Canada heard about it they wanted in because 
if the United States and Mexico have a deal and they exclude Canada, Canada is at, a, at, at an extreme disadvantage. And they knew that. They knew they had NAFTA. They weren't just going to say, we have NAFTA already. Well, if Mexico and the United States are, are, are no longer going to uh, abide by NAFTA, Canada had no choice. So Canada had to get in. So the president, on his own terms, let Canada into this agreement. This is uh, a continental, this is a, a, um, a continent agreement. A trilateral agreement. Now, because it is a treaty, unlike Barack Obama's approach, because it is a treaty, it does have to be approved by Congress. The nation's farmers are pushing their representatives to approve the um, the USMCA because it is going to be the best for farmers as farmers are, are, are looking at it because they know they have deals with especially on the southern border with with Mexico that are important as a matter of fact the f- farmers are probably now holding off the word is they're holding off on major purchases until they see how this is all going to go So now the farmers and the major farm and the major farm uh, lobbyists have looked at the USMCA as a, an, an upgrade, an improvement over NAFTA, and it's, it's an upgrade and an improvement over NAFTA for farmers. Why is that important? Because they grow your food, idiot. Because the farmers grow your food. If it weren't for farmers, you would be dead. You'd be running around. There'd be no pet population problems because you'd be eating feral cats and dogs because that's all you would have to eat. Farmers are the people that keep us fed. So it's important what the farmers think. I don't care what the millennials who live in Chicago or San Francisco think about the farmers in Iowa or Idaho. There's some sort of hayseed in fiber country that don't matter. These are the people who grow your damn food. Moron. But will Congress decide, will the, the current configuration of the House of Representatives decide to pass the USMCA? And you're thinking, why wouldn't they? Because it makes Trump look good. It actually gives the president a check mark on his campaign promises from 2015-16. He said that he would renegotiate NAFTA and get a better deal. And if Congress approves the USMCA, he he can check that off his, his box. He can say, done. I said I would, and I did. So, We're going to find out, basically, here in the next little bit. This is where the rubber meets the road. Does Congress care more about their current progressive agenda than they do about real Americans? Because this is is what this is about. What they don't want is Trump to get any mileage out of it because they have used the past four years 
and their whole their whole message has been F Trump. It hasn't been anything about we're trying to make life better for the average American. Their whole message has been F Trump. The message of people like Walsh and 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 Weald and John Kasich is F Trump. Still, it's all it is. It's, it, and it's not any deeper than that. It's not about the Constitution. It's not about saving the Republic. It's not about it's not about protecting the average American. It's about F Trump because Trump represents something that they don't get, they don't understand, they can't have access to. And some of them are horrified, horrified, frankly, that Trump has the appeal that he does with the people that he does. They are horrified by it because it's not the limousine liberals and it's not the country club Republicans that he has the appeal with. It's just the people who never, who frankly never say anything. Who just do what? They put on their big boy pants every day and they take their ass to work. And they sit around the dining room table and wonder how we're going to get all these damn bills paid. And how we're going to get these damn taxes paid. Somebody's got to get a second job. So that's what they do. They do whatever the hell they have to do. And they've not heard any of the high-flying rhetoric that has a damn thing to do with them. The high-flying rhetoric of of Barack Obama for eight years didn't have anything to do with the people I'm talking about. It just didn't. The high-flying rhetoric of groups like Black Lives Matter have anything to do with the the people who are living in a place like Chicago where it ain't white cops that are shooting black people down in the street. It's other black kids that are shooting black kids down in the street. The people, the black people who are who, who are notice who notice that Planned Parenthood kills more black children than than the Klan or the white police could in a hundred years. They do that in a day. And when that bit of information got out and got in people's brains, some people started going. Some black people started going, "Hmm, well, damn, got got to rethink this crap here, don't I?" And so when this information starts to get out and when Trump meets with with HBCU presidents in the White House instead of entertainers in the White House, that makes a whole group of black people go, hmm, hmm. Trump is meeting with university presidents, HBCU presidents, and Obama met with rappers. Interesting, isn't it? Interesting. But it makes people think. And what they don't want people to do is, what the left doesn't want people to do is think. They want people to feel. So they've been pushing F Trump since since day one. So are they going to be more F Trump or are they actually going to pass the USMCA to help farmers, and when you help farmers, you help the rest of us. Why? Because they grow our food, moron. Which is it? 
Which is it, Nancy Pelosi? Which is it, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? Which is it, Elizabeth Warren? Which is it, Bernie Sanders? Is it the farmers or your narrative or your agenda? Which is it? Because now you have a clear choice. There's a, I mean, there's a clear choice. It's easy. It's easy. Are you going to stand? Are you going to stand behind the people who are who grow our food? And not just the people who grow our food here in the United States, the people who grow our food in Mexico, the people who grow our food in Canada. Are 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 you going to are are you going to stand with our continental partners, our neighbors to the north and the south? especially to the South, the people that you, that you pretend to care about so much and, and possibly building up the Mexican, Mexican economy to where people don't need to leave? What? Yes, maybe, maybe doing something to improve the quality of the Mexican, Mexican economy to where they don't need to leave. To maybe where drug trafficking and human trafficking are things that that don't need to happen as often. What are you going to stand for? All 20 plus candidates and members of Congress, Cory Booker, Kamala Harris, Ilan Ilan Omar, Rashida Tlaib. What are you going to believe in? What who are you going to stand who are you going to stand with? Or are you so caught up with F. Trump and impeach the MFR that you're blinded by it and you can't see the American people or even the Mexican people or Canadian people who need who want this deal? They signed off on it. They weren't bullied by Trump. These are all adults. They could have. They could have said. They could have adopted your narrative of, of F. Trump if they wanted to. The Canadian Prime Minister has had nothing positive to say about Donald Trump since Donald Trump took office. The Mexican president doesn't speak that highly of him either. However, they did make the deal. This is how adults behave. I ain't got to like you to make the deal. That's good for me. I just don't have to like you. I ain't got to party with you. I ain't got to hang at your house at Christmas time. I ain't got to do none of that stuff to make the deal that makes sense. Like the lady on, on Sweetie Pie says, Miss Bobby, if it don't make money, it don't make sense. And this is a deal that is actually going to benefit the farmers and benefit the economy of the United States, not just in the short term, not just in, in an election season, but generationally. Maybe we can end that sucking sound of jobs going across the border. That sucking sound of. <laughs> yeah. Will, and what do you think? My, my, um, I, if you think that because both Mexico and Canada have signed off on the USMCA, that it's time for our Congress critters to do likewise, maybe it's time to, to get on the phone 
especially those of you who are Democrats who are listening. Here in my area, call up Kathy Castor. Kathy Castor, yes, her name. Kathy Castor and say, vote for the um, USMC, uh, the USMCA. Maybe um, tweet them. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna, I'm going to. If you follow, and if you follow me on Twitter, and you should, RBM Show at RBM Show. Um, that's reminiscent, reminiscent of the first name of this program way back when, Rational Black Man um, Show, RBM Show. I've kept that Twitter handle. Um, I'm going to say vote for uh, hashtag USM. CA, there it is. And then I'm just going to put Representative Kathy. Um, oops. One thing I, I've never been able to do is, is um, talk and type. Not really that good at it, right? Now, and those, those of you who, who've listened to me over the years know that I have not been that good at doing either, doing that, right? So I want, yeah, that's what I'll do. Because I think that that's important. Caster. Can't find her. Uh, Kathy Caster, that's your Kathy Caster. Um, t- tweet out at them. Call them. Send them an email. Good for the farmers, and especially here in Florida, we have a lot more farming and agriculture here than people have any idea. Let's do that. All right, listen, we got to get out of here and make room for somebody else. Again, if you are if you enjoy what we do, please send me an email wls eight six zero gmail dot com. We appreciate it. We're going to try to be on more often. Um, again, it's a financial thing that we had to. Yeah, actually, we had to quit for a bit, and then we had to downsize, and now we just got the upgrade to, to do more than 45 minutes. Um, and, and I'll tell you why, because the speaker was having a sale. Having a sale. Um, and, um, again, I'm not going to ask you for money. Um, if you want to advertise in the program, you can, I mean, you're welcome to, to let me know um, uh, on the program. And if you're interested in and buying a sport aircraft, send me an email. Uh, I can direct you towards somebody who can help you with that. Um, I've got a memo, a memorandum of understanding with Icon, and um, I can I can help you get to somebody who, if you want to buy a sport a sport aircraft, uh, an Icon, I can help you. I can direct you directly to those people. Um, who's going to who's going to help you best? So, in any case, uh, I'm. I don't. I, and I say this. I don't work for Icon. I'm not an employee of Icon. I am not. Um, and I don't want to misrepresent, misrepresent myself as an employee or a salesperson. But if you're interested, send me an email wls860 gmail dot com wls860 gmail dot com. Um, and then I'll direct you to somebody who is who is an employee who can help you. How about that? Um, and that helps our program. So until we see you again, go out there and learn something, love somebody, and for goodness sakes, take care of yourself. I love you, 
and there's nothing you can do about it. Bye-bye now.
After my heart attack, cash from Active Care meant I had choices. When I had cancer, cash from Active Care meant I didn't need to stress so much about money. What is Active Care? Active Care is a supplemental health insurance policy that offers protection for covered cancer, heart attack, or stroke and a choice of cash benefit options from $10,000 to $60,000. If you're diagnosed with cancer, a heart attack, or stroke, you could end up paying thousands of dollars or more in out-of-pocket medical bills. Active Care gives you protection at an affordable price. So get Active Care for cash, choice, and control. Active Care is brought to you by Colonial Penn Life Insurance Company and is underwritten by Washington National Insurance Company. Visit colonialpen.com for more information. This is a limited benefit policy. This policy has limitations and exclusions. For costs and complete details of coverage, visit colonialpen.com. After my heart attack, Cash from Active Care meant I had choices. When I had cancer, cash from Active Care meant I didn't need to stress so much about money. What is Active Care? Active Care is a supplemental health insurance policy that offers protection for covered cancer, heart attack, or stroke, and a choice of cash benefit options from $10,000 to $60,000. If you're diagnosed with cancer, a heart attack, or stroke, you could end up paying thousands of dollars or more in out of pocket medical bills. Active Care gives you protection at an affordable price. So get Active Care for cash, choice, and control. Active Care is brought to you by Colonial Penn Life Insurance Company and is underwritten by Washington National Insurance Company. Visit colonialpen.com for more information. This is a limited benefit policy. This policy has limitations and exclusions. For costs and complete details of coverage, visit colonialpen.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Spin your passion into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.